Tonight on Huckabee, Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, funniest mom in America, Karen Morgan, award-winning author Lee Strobel, traditional country artist, the Malpas Brothers. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike everybody and welcome to our show tonight coming to you from the Huckabee Theater in Nashville Tennessee uh, today was uh, this week rather was a great big week in the world of news the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in Kenosha Wisconsin has been over and I don't know if you saw but if you missed it here's what happened watch we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty Members of the jury, are these your unanimous verdicts? Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdict as well? I think there were a lot of people in America who breathed a sigh of relief. Look, the media got it wrong, but they didn't pay attention. If you watch the trial, you realize this was a simple case of self-defense. And, uh, you know, sometimes juries get it wrong, but more often than not, they get it right. And one of the things that we have to have in this country is due process, presumption of innocence, and you don't want politicians out there trying a case before the jury ever hears the evidence, which is what we had a lot of this time. And I hope that there are some great big apologies that'll be uttered from places like CNN and MSNBC. I don't think there will be, but there should be. But anyway, congratulations to uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, a tough thing, hoping he can get on with his life. Well, one year ago, we were in the middle of the aftermath of a highly controversial and contested election for president in which Joe Biden supposedly received 16 million more votes than anyone in history, including the immensely popular Barack Obama. Now, that's despite having rarely campaigned, except for some tightly scripted occasional appearances from his basement, or when he was standing on a platform in a small parking lot somewhere in the middle of nowhere, yelling at a dozen or so cars while squinting at a teleprompter. A year ago, a vaccine for COVID-19 had just been announced as available thanks to Operation Warp Speed, initiated by President Donald Trump, which brought at least, give him a little credit, which brought at least three vaccines to the marketplace in record time, something that his critics and the media scoffed would never happen. Well, in fact, then-candidates Joe Biden and Kamala Harris both trashed the vaccines, and they claimed that because they were developed under Trump, they wouldn't trust them. My, how times have changed. <laughs> now Joe Biden wants to force you to have it, even if you've had COVID and have natural antibodies that are likely more effective than the vaccine itself. He wants you to get kicked out of the military, lose your private sector job, and be prohibited from traveling or eating in a restaurant unless you have your shot. And of course, 
show your papers as proof. And if you fail to comply, no soup for you. <laughs> no. Our economy was humming one year along as Americans were returning to work after the deep freeze of a COVID lockdown. Schools were beginning to open in many states for in-person learning. And as people planned for Thanksgiving, the average cost of a turkey was $12. And the average cost of gas to get to grandma's house last year, $2.11 a gallon. This Thanksgiving, the cost of that same turkey will be about $21. And the average price of gas is $3.50 across the country. And millions of Americans are losing their jobs just because they don't want to take the COVID shot. So what's the big change? Democrats controlled by the far left progressives who don't mind and in fact appreciate being called socialist. They're now in complete control of our government and its policies. Joe Biden has shut down our energy pipelines, created the supply chain nightmare by imposing strict rules on transportation and union demands. And he's implemented policies related to COVID that have paid people to not work instead of taking one of the record millions of jobs that are currently unfilled. And parents across the country who are fed up that their children are being indoctrinated with racist hate about how evil America is, well, they've started showing up to the school boards. After all, their taxes pay for that, and they own those schools, as well as they do it because it's the exercise of their rights of citizenship, which, by the way, has been branded by the Biden Department of Justice as domestic terrorism. Well, Barack Obama famously said, elections have consequences. Hey, he may have been wrong about a lot of stuff, but he was right about that. But sometimes the consequences are horrific. And if you are unable to see the consequences of putting left-wing socialists in charge of the White House, Senate, and House of Representatives, then you must be a newborn puppy and your eyes are still closed. <laughs> All you really need to know about what the left has done to the country is summed up in two words, gas and groceries. That's it. Now, are there some things that you can hold off buying if inflation drives up the cost, like a new suit, a new car, maybe a piece of furniture? I don't care how rich you are, how poor you are, you got to put food on the table, and you got to put gas in your tank to get to work or school. And even if you take a city bus, it's going to cost more to cover those fuel prices. So if you like what's happened to the cost of gas and groceries, then keep voting for Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the Democrats. But don't forget to take heed of the words of another Democrat who said, elections have consequences. Well, Congressman Jim Jordan is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee in the U.S. Congress. He represents Ohio's beautiful 4th District, and he's got a habit of speaking truth to power. You may recall him calling out Attorney General Merrick Garland recently when Garland was sick in the FBI on some concerned parents. Watch. In recent months, there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence. Yes. When did you first review the data showing this so-called disturbing uptick? So I read the letter, and we have been seeing over time threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's, that's your source? Ooh, I loved it. 
I got to tell you, Congressman Jordan is just the kind of courageous leader that we need in government to push back against big government overreach. We're very happy to have him with us right here tonight. Would you welcome, please, Congressman Jim Jordan? I think these are all Ohio voters. Yeah, they're from the 4th <laughs> District. That's great. <laughs> they love you. Thank you. Hey, just for the record, I've never received a welcome hey, like I'm, that, and I've been hosting oh, this show for have. four years. I know you have. No, you know, I understand why people truly appreciate you, and it's not just a, an infatuation with the celebrity status that you, you've created, but being a very effective congressman. You've got the guts to stand up to power and speak boldly. We just saw an example of that. Mm. Um, you made a comment recently. You said you didn't think anybody could be worse than Dr. Fauci until you met Merrick Garland. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing I, well, and I thank you, and thanks for what you do, standing up for freedom, standing up for the Constitution. We, we appreciate that. But yeah, when you have, uh, when you have an attorney general seek the, the full power of the Justice Department on moms and dads. Yeah. Moms and dads who were simply standing up and saying, don't teach this racist hate America curriculum to our kids. And the FBI counterterrorism division gets involved in giving them a label, calling them a, a threat tag, a, a, a terrorist tag to their name. So that memo that went out, excuse me, that email that went out on the 20th of October to FBI agents around the country from the counterterrorism division at the FBI went out the day before Mayor Garland stood in front of us and said, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not labeling anyone a domestic terrorist. And so, he needs to come back and explain why he said one thing, and it sure looks like something else was in fact happening, um, because you're not supposed to do that. Maybe you, you know that, Governor. You're not supposed yeah. to come into Congress and tell him something that isn't accurate. And I think he did, so we'll see if he comes back. And I'm gonna ask him one simple question. What's the number? How many parents have yeah. got that label on them today as we speak? Uh, that is frightening. And that's not supposed to be how it works in our great country. It's supposed to be equal treatment under the law, a Justice Department that's not political, but fair. Are there some folks, enough of them, that will do in the next so. Congress yeah. what has to be yeah. done? Yeah, I, I, Kevin just gave a nine-hour speech on the Florida House, too. God bless <laughs> right. you. Uh, no, I, I, think, I think when we now see how bad it got in 10 months, Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a lady at a little, little town hall-type meeting. This is a few months ago. And she, she, she's been probably in her 70s, and, and she looked at me, and, she's, and she had, started to get tears in her eyes. Yeah. She said, I never thought it could get this bad this quick. Hmm. So I think in light of that, what we've seen the Democrats do with full control of the federal government, and maybe most importantly, what they've done to the First Amendment. I mean, you think about it. Every right we enjoy as Americans under the First Amendment has been assaulted. Your right to practice your faith, your right to assembly, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, everyone. There are, still, there are still churches today, still places in America today where a, a full congregation cannot meet on a Sunday morning. The most important right we have as Americans is your right to speak, your right to talk. And that's what they're coming after most because it's even more important than your right to practice your faith because if you can't speak, how do you practice your faith? How do you share your faith? Yeah. That is, and that's what the left is after. If you disagree with the left today, it's not, a, it's not a fair enough to have a debate today with the left. If you disagree with them, that you can't have a debate. They'll say, you're a racist, you're not allowed to talk, and they'll try to cancel you. And that is so wrong. That's what I think is ultimately going to bring us together and why we will fight to do what we said we do if we get power. Absolutely wonderful. 
For four years, we had to listen to Russia, 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 that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. The Durham indictments now make it pretty clear that there was collusion with the Russians, but it wasn't Donald Trump. It was the Hillary Clinton yeah, campaign. Right. They were accusing Trump of doing what they were doing. Yeah. That's your committee. If Republicans win, you become chairman of that committee. Yeah. Can we count on you guys to chase this to the very end of the earth? I got a call from, from President Trump yesterday, and, and he, he started, but, I, but I, I actually missed his call, so I called him back. And, and when he gets on, all he says is, Jim, never forget. He says, never forget what they're doing now. All the yeah. crazy things they're doing, we have to hold them accountable. And I said, I agree, Mr. President. And, and frankly, for the, for the American people to have confidence in our judicial system and everything else and holding people accountable, we have to. So yeah, we, we will do that. We got to look into what the Justice Department has done to parents. Yeah. We got to look into Dr. Fauci and the, how he misled us over the last year and a half about how this thing started. Hmm. The Ways, and Means, the Ways and Means Committee has to look into the fact that thousands of Americans' tax returns became public. That is not supposed to happen in our country. Absolutely And not. we certainly have to look at this whole thing that they tried to use to take out, to, to remove President Trump from office. And it was all a joke. I, I said to someone, the only thing we had wrong, and remember, there were just a few people in the media yeah. and a handful of us in the Congress back in 2017 that said, this doesn't make sense. There's yeah. not, and we started digging into it. The only thing we had wrong is it was worse than we thought. It mm -hmm. was worse than we thought. And finally, now the special counsel, Mr. Durham, has indicted Mr. Zussman and Mr. Danchenko. And I think, I think he's going to try to get to the source. And we know that's the Clinton campaign. The one thing I keep coming back to is I don't know how the FBI didn't know. Yeah. Because when Zussman walks into the FBI, he, he forgot all the Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS and all the middleman. He just, Mr. Zussman from the, the Perkins Coie law firm working for Clinton just walked straight into the FBI handed them false information. And not just anyone at the FBI, he went in and talked to the chief counsel, Jim Baker. Now, how did Jim Baker not know? So I, I hope Mr. Durham pursues that. We'll just have to, have to wait and see. Well, one thing I hope people will pursue is getting this book and reading it. Do what you said you would do. It will make you appreciate Congressman Jim Jordan as much as I do. It'll also help you understand what's going on in Washington and to give you a little hope that the yeah, there are some people there that are working to fix it. He's one of them. Now, if you want to keep up with the congressman and all the work that he's doing, please check out this book that I've just mentioned. And also, for more details about uh, how to get in touch with him and all things Jim Jordan, go to the website, Huckabee.tv. There's a link to his website and to the book and how to get it. So go there right away. Now, Keith Bilbrey's got the goods on what's coming up tonight. He is going to share them with you right about now. Let's see if he can do it. Well, up next, the Federalist co-founder, Sean Davis, then retro country music duo, the Malpas Brothers. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Russia, Russia, Russia. Do you remember that drumbeat for the last four years? Democrats and their mainstream media lapdogs frantically told us that President Donald Trump and his associates polluted with Russia to win the 2016 election. Of course, that same media eagerly pushed a bogus dossier, but they avoided revealing the connections between it and Hillary Clinton's campaign or doing anything on their own to try to discredit it. 
as real journalists would. My next guest, however, co-founded The Federalist, where they actually do real journalism. If you can believe, there's still some that exist, and it does. Please welcome to the show, Sean Davis. Sean, good to have you here. Thank you for having me. You know, we were talking to Congressman Jordan earlier about this whole Russia collusion story. You guys at The Federalist were really calling out a lot of the details of this early on. What was it that kind of gave you insight that a lot of the publications just weren't seeing? It's a great question. Uh, I think we realized the whole thing was a con when the mm. so-called dossier came out on January 10th, 2017. Recall, this was a couple days after Comey did his little ambush extortion meeting with Trump, where he said, oh, the Russians, they have you over a barrel. And then BuzzFeed came out and published this entire dossier. And the second we read it, that moment we knew this thing's, this thing's false. It's a con. Sean, uh, historically, journalists have had two great qualities, curiosity and cynicism. They were curious about everything, and they took nothing for granted, took nothing at face value, and they were naturally cynical, and they wanted to uh, sort of make sure somebody proved a story. What happened to those virtues? I think what happened is we don't have journalists really anymore. We have propagandists. Hmm. And when you look at the corrupt corporate media, your Washington Post, your, your New York Times, they do not exist to report facts. They exist to push an agenda. And what they got with this whole Russia thing was they got a perfect little story gift wrapped for them. They didn't care if it was true because it went after somebody they hated, Donald Trump. And so they ran with it without asking any basic questions about, is this true? Are these sources credible? Can we prove it? Uh, they actually went out and said things that they had confirmed in the dossier, which we now know were total lies that somebody's been indicted over. They didn't care about the facts. They cared about the agenda. And, and speaking of that, this week, obviously, the uh, big news story, the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict of not guilty on all counts. The media has been saying this was about racism, even though everybody involved was white. I, I never could understand how that would be racist. And they basically tried this kid who was 17 at the time this all happened, just turned 18, and they basically tried him and convicted him in the court of public opinion. I mean, I, does this kid now go sue these folks and has he got a shot at that? I hope so. I mean, I, we're, <laughs> we're supposed to have- Me too. He should. Yeah. Uh, he should end up owning CNN. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, along with Nick Salmon, who the media also tried to destroy. I, we're supposed to have trial by jury in this country. Mm -hmm. What we've actually have now with the corrupt media is trial by fury that they want to charge you, convict you, and sentence you before you ever get your day in court. And they, they didn't just do it with Kyle Rittenhouse. They did it with Nick Salmon. They did it with Brett Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. They did it with Donald Trump. And they'll do it to every last one of us if they ever get the opportunity. Is there any way to fight back effectively, successfully? I think there is. I think the first thing we can do is actually stand up and say, no, that's not true. There's, there's a reason these corrupt big tech companies want to censor us so much and why they want to shut us down is because they know when people can get up and say what's true, it is a massive threat to the people who control the narratives. The best thing you can do is just stand up and say, that's not true. That's not real. Hmm. What is the biggest challenge that you guys have faced at The Federalist? I mean, it's a very popular publication among people who are constitutionalists. Uh, and, I, and I'll add conservatives, but you know, not everyone is a constitutionalist is conservative, not everyone is conservative, maybe a constitutionalist. I think it's important to be a true believer in the Constitution. Um, what's the biggest challenge that you guys have faced? Because you're out there on the front lines, and, but you're trying to get to the truth. I, I think our biggest problem is what's happening with big tech now. 
with mm. Facebook, with Google, they have signed on to a particular side's agenda. Um, it's often the Democrat Party, it's often Communist China. And they've decided if you say things that they don't want you to say and you say things they don't want people to hear, they're gonna shut you down. So the constant rolling censorship, the shadow banning, the attempt to shut down voices they don't like, I think that's the biggest threat to us, the biggest threat to really any independent media is when you have so many, when you have so few uh, companies controlling so much information, they have the power to shut you down and disappear you. So I, I think that's our big challenge. There was uh, an incident just a couple of weeks ago where President Biden denied that there was going to be any payouts to illegal aliens for being separated for a period of time. The very next day, the ACLU and uh, other government agencies had to come out and admit, no, actually, we are going to pay people up to $450,000 per person. And then the day after that, he came and defended all that. I don't remember seeing any of the mainstream press getting upset that they'd been lied to. No, and it's funny when you look back at how they covered Donald Trump, if he came out at 12.01 p.m. and said, good morning, they'd say, he's a liar, we gotta, we gotta take him out, this man's a liar. And yet you have Biden come out and say about that $450,000 fund, oh, that's garbage. Yeah. never do that, that's garbage. And then his own administration comes out and kind of pats him on the head, oh, that's crazy Uncle Joe, he didn't run things. No, no, it was actually all true. Yeah. There's no accountability at all for the lies that the left constantly spews. Hmm. Sean, I hope that you will continue to be bold and uh, out front in the world of uh, reporting and journalism. We appreciate the Federalists for doing it. You can find out more about Sean Davis and his work at the Federalist. Go to Huckabee.tv. That's where you'll find a connection uh, to Sean Davis and the publication, The Federalist. Now, look, Keith is no journalist. We won't call him one of those, but I still think you can trust him just to give it to you straight about what we have coming up on the show. That's what he's going to do right now. Well, next, we go to our kind of town, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Then New York Times best-selling author Lee Strobel. You're watching Huckabee. Hey, that band was playing a great song by the wonderful talent Dion, the Wanderer from the 1960s. I wonder how many of you in the audience recognize that song by Dion. Yeah. And one of the reasons that you enjoyed it was because it was played so brilliantly by our homegrown, very, very wonderful house band, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. <laughs> Well, I'm very excited about what we're going to show you next. It is a beautiful and eclectic little town in Arkansas that I've been to many, many times before. Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you about why it is our kind of town. In beautiful Northwest Arkansas, there's a wonderful town just dripping with charm and excitement called Eureka Springs. 
renowned for hundreds of years by Native Americans for its legendary healing springs. But in 1879, word got out about the springs. People were attracted in such great numbers that it was transformed from an isolated wilderness into a flourishing city. I guess you could say Eureka Springs sprung up almost overnight. Today, the entire town is on the National Register of Historic Places. Stroll the winding downtown streets and visit the unique shops, boutiques, and galleries. And learn about the past at the town's historical museum. Enjoy nightly entertainment, relax at one of the spas, and rejuvenate your mind, body, and spirit. Top it all off with your stay over the world-class dining and a night at one of the glamorous historic hotels. You can see why over the years Eureka Springs has become a favorite destination for honeymooners. Some you may even know. Eureka Springs provides a charming backdrop for over a hundred themed events and festivals throughout the years. Do you like sport cars? Well, check out the annual Corvette Weekend or the Porsche Palooza. And there's more! You could participate in the Eureka Triathlon, attend the Hillberry Music Festival, or the Ozark Folk Festival. And you won't want to miss the great passion play. There's so much more. Eureka Springs offers visitors all the fun and activity they could ask for. Surrounded by breathtaking scenery, outdoor adventures abound. See the beautiful springs that made the area famous. You can float and fish the Kings River or explore the wondrous caverns. No matter what you choose, you're destined to be entertained and utterly charmed in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And that's why it's our kind of town. It is our kind of town. I'll tell you, it's my kind of town. Wonderful place Eureka Spring is. Many call it Little Switzerland. Now, it looks like it's still just as fun today as it was when Janet and I honeymooned there over 47 years ago. That's right. Hey, the town survived that. It must be okay. And I don't know if you saw in the video, there was a brick with our names and the date of our wedding which we got to place there at the Basin Street Park several years ago. It's a wonderful little place, and we want to say a huge thanks to the Arkansas Department of Tourism for helping us explore this wonderful town. Now, if you want to plan a visit and go on your own to Eureka Springs, be sure to get in touch with these folks. You might bump into me while you're there, because I still love to go. All right, right now, tonight's comedian has performed across America and on Dry Bar Comedy. And you've also heard her latest CD, Mean Candy, on Sirius XM Radio. She's a Southern lady from Georgia, a finalist on Nickelodeon's Search for the Funniest Mom in America. And get this, she is a former trial attorney. So her kids had better behave, because they are never going to win an argument with her. That is for sure. Please welcome the very funny Karen Morgan. In Maine, but I am originally from Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. Go dogs! My husband is from Boston, so our kids are bilingual. We're very proud of that. <laughs> We're so proud. And yes, I, I was a trial attorney before I became a comedian. On my resume, this is a lateral move, so we're really proud of that. <laughs> So all three of my kids are Gen Zers. They're Generation Z. Generation Z doesn't know how to write a check. 
They don't know how to address an envelope. They don't know how to read cursive. They don't know how to get anywhere unless there's a GPS map on their phone. They can't read a paper map. And before you say, oh, you should have taught them all those things, let me just tell you this. If Gen Z takes over the world, it's going to be pretty easy for us to get it back. <laughs> We're just going to write our battle plans in cursive on a piece of paper. <laughs> and then mail it to ourselves in envelopes. Now, I was born the first year of Generation X. Generation X is also called the forgotten generation, the middle child. Even CBS News forgot us last year. CBS News did a whole report on all the generations. They did silent generation, the baby boomers, and then they skipped over 65 million of us Jan Bradys and went down to the millennials and the post-millennials. But here's all you need to know about Gen X. We don't care. <laughs> We don't care that you left us off your little list. As a matter of fact, we kind of like it. We're like the secret dive bar that only the locals go to. We don't have to advertise and we're never going out of business. We're strong, we didn't use sunscreen. We laid out on giant sheets of aluminum foil. We used baby oil and iodine. We sprayed sun in in our hair. We turned it orange, we don't care. We don't care. We are the latchkey kids that were raised by the divorced boomer parents. We sat in the way, way back seat of our mom's station wagon, rear-facing at the people behind us. Just waving, just waving, just waving. We, nobody wore a seatbelt, not even in the front seat. If your mom's arm wasn't strong enough, you deserve to go through the windshield. Right. We didn't have we didn't have helicopter parents. We had the opposite of helicopter parents. We had Home Depot parents, where you think there should be someone working in the store there that could help you, but no one's around. You're on your own. This is Home Depot. Do you need a skill saw? Well, there's only one left in the whole store, and it's way up there. Grab yourself a ladder, my friend, and start climbing. And don't pull it over and cut your arm off because they're not going to take you to the hospital. As a matter of fact, it's going to be your fault that you got hurt. Here's what we got. Suck it up, blow on it, rub some dirt on it, quit your crying, don't bleed in the house. Welcome to Home Depot. Nobody cared if we were bored. Nobody cared what our grades were. Nobody cared that we were eating lunch out of a lunchbox that was filled with rust. <laughs> Nobody cared that we were playing with real red rubber dodgeballs that were pummeling us in the face. Not the little foamy kind, the little baby ones they have now, but the real red rubber ones that went twang when they hit you and left a crosshatch print on your forehead, right? <laughs> Nobody cared. Nobody came to our athletic practices. Nobody brought sliced oranges. Certainly no one was arranging a play date for us. <laughs> Here's how my mama would arrange a play date. At 8 o'clock in the morning, my mama would say, y'all go outside and play. Boom, and she would lock the door. <laughs> We were outside all day. We didn't have anything to eat. We didn't have anything to drink. We didn't have a juice box or any goldfish crackers. If we were thirsty, what did we drink out of? The hose, yes. 
and we're all still here, we're never going out of business. And what were we doing in the yard? We were trying to kill each other. We had rock fights, we had dirt clawed fights, we had green pine cone fights, and we had BB gun fights. <laughs> we were shooting each other with BB guns and our parents were totally fine with it. We did have some rules. We had like three pumps max, that was one. No intentional headshots. And on holidays, we would ramp up to Roman candle wars and bottle rocket wars, and all my dad ever said was, don't shoot your, your brother directly in the face. <laughs> That was it. We rode our big wheels in traffic. We made evil Knievel bike ramps out of plywood that we found in the garage that had nails sticking up out of it and cinder blocks. We, nobody wore a bike helmet and we're all still here because we're never going out of business. There's one person that's not still with us though. His name was Stretch Armstrong and he's no longer with us because we cut him open with the scissors out of the junk drawer in the kitchen to see what was inside him. He was not Gen X material. <laughs> I'm Karen Morgan. Thank y'all so much for having me. You'll have a great night. <laughs> that was great, Karen. Thank you. This is a funny person, Karen Morgan. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like that I raised your generation, you know? <laughs> what a great, great routine tonight. And I know our audience loved you. And all of you at home, you want to find out more hilarious comedy from Karen Morgan? Here's how to do it. You can get her comedy CD, Mean Candy, at the all-new Huckabee.tv and get a connection to uh, all the things that she's doing. Right now, Keith Bilbrey, he'd like to make you laugh, but here's what he'll do. He'll just tell you what we have coming up. Keith, take it away. I'll do my best. Coming up, The Case for Heaven, author Lee Strobel, plus retro country music stars the Malthus Brothers are on Huckabee. Learn more about tonight's guest. Enjoy exclusive content, plus watch full Huckabee episodes. Check out the brand new Huckabee.tv. Welcome back. Now, as an atheist and an investigative reporter, Lee Strobel had set out to disprove the existence of Jesus. But something happened. He got convinced by historical evidence of his own error. And his book, The Case for Christ, became a runaway bestseller, a landmark film, and it is still one of the most read books, particularly for people who are struggling with, is there really a basis for Christianity? He's got a brand new book. This is one that you do not want to miss, especially if you're already a Lee Strobel fan, which you should be. This one is called The Case for Heaven. A journalist investigates the evidence for life after death. Would you please welcome back to our show one of our favorites, Lee Strobel. Good Thank have you, Governor. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't know of anybody, even unbelievers, who don't have some curiosity about heaven. Well, especially during this COVID pandemic, 29% of Americans either have had a family member die of COVID hmm. or they know someone who's died. And so this is a very relevant issue. How did you start out saying, okay, let me find out whether there's a heaven or not? I almost died. That's <laughs> did you seriously, really? that's what happened. No kidding. I, yeah, my wife found me unconscious. Oh man. Um, she called the paramedics. I woke up, I'll never forget this. I woke up on the table in the emergency room 
The doctor looked down at me and he said, you're one step away from a coma, two steps away from dying. And then I went unconscious again. So I had an unusual medical condition called hyponatremia, which is a severe drop in my blood sodium level. And so I hovered between life and death until they were able to save my life. And it's a very clarifying experience. I think it would be, yeah. And so as a Christian, I believe what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. Yeah. But I'm also a skeptic. I mean, my background's in journalism and law, so I tend to be skeptical. And I thought, well, does the evidence of science, for instance, um, support what the Bible says? And, and, and how do I know there really is an afterlife? And that's what launched me on a, a multi-year investigation that has resulted in the case for heaven. I mean, who do you go talk to to say, <laughs> hey, uh, what's heaven like? I mean, you know, if they really know, they've already been there, right? Well, you know, I talked to a guy who, uh, named John Burke, who is a um, pastor of a church in Austin, Texas. He has researched a 1,000 near-death experiences over the last 35 years. Wow. Um, so I was skeptical about near-death experiences. Uh, I thought they were hallucinations or the last gasps of a dying brain or something like that. There was an article published in The Lancet, which is a prestigious medical journal in, the, in uh, England, that said that none of the alternative explanations to near-death experiences add up. They do not work. There have been over 900 scientific studies of near-death experiences. It's a very well-studied area. So what I was interested in is the Bible says that when we die, our soul, our spirit, separates from our body. Well, how do I know that's true? Well, um, near-death experiences establish that because there's corroboration. I'll give you an example. A woman named Maria dies in a hospital. She gets declared dead. Uh, but she says later, I was conscious the whole time. My spirit floated out of my body. I, w- I watched the resuscitation efforts that were going on. My spirit floated through the ceiling and out of the hospital. And then I, it returned to my body and I was revived. And she said to the doctors, by the way, there's a shoe on the roof of the hospital. And it is a tennis shoe and is left-footed. It's a man's tennis shoe. It's dark blue. You are kidding no. me. And, and, and the, the shoelace is tucked under the heel and there's a little wear over the little toe. So they go up and they find it exactly as she said. That's one of about 20 cases I talk about in this book that corroborate the fact that indeed our spirit, our soul, our consciousness continues after our clinical death. You know, Lee, I think if if people really thought that there is a heaven that they're going to go to, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm kind of betting there is. (laughs) But I mean, your book is really a, a way of trying to help people have confidence. Yes. That it's real. That's right, exactly. And I think that changes everything. I'll give you an example. Um, like right now, I'm in a very stressful time in my life, very busy, a lot of things going on. It's difficult, it's a little hard, but I got a vacation coming up. It's on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And I know in a few weeks, I'm going to go on a vacation. And that helps me cope with the difficulties I'm facing now. The same is true when you know about heaven. Because you don't have a date, on the, but you know, in my future, yeah. I've got a date, and it's with God in heaven. And knowing that gives us the courage to respond Absolutely. to the difficulties of life. I'm sure there are cynics and, and a lot of skeptics who say, hey, Lee, case for heaven. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't buy that. So how do you deal with the cynics, the, the skeptics who simply say, there's no proof for yeah. heaven? I, I give them scientific studies, for instance. One study done of 21 blind people, half of them blind since birth, um, and they went through a near-death experience. During that near-death experience, they could see for the first time. Woman named Vicky, 26 years old, blind since birth, 
killed in a car accident, never had seen a shadow in her life, never seen anything in her life. And yet she later said, I was conscious the whole time. I watched the resuscitation efforts. I met dead relatives, deceased relatives. I was in the very presence of God. And I saw animals and plants and things for the first time. And then when her spirit returned to her body and she was revived, she was blind again. Wow. There's multiple cases like that. And as one medical researcher said, this is medically impossible. And yet... It's documented, there are 900 scholarly articles published in, in medical and scientific journals about near-death experiences. You know, Lee, I, I hope people read the book because a, a lot of even a strong Christian believers yeah. just need to be reminded that what the Bible says about heaven yeah. is true. Yeah. And you give us a great scientific reminder of that. The case for heaven, Lee Strobel, all of his books have been fantastic. There's a reason they're bestsellers. It is available now. Also, look for a documentary based on it from Fathom Events. It'll be coming up next March. Go to our website, Huckabee.tv. There'll be connections and links to all of that. Well, I can't fathom how to follow up Lee Strobel, but I'll bet you Keith Bilbrey's got a real good idea how to do it. Well, next, champions for traditional country music, the Malpas Brothers sit down with Mike Huckabee. Kevin Johnson. The Malpas brothers don't just sound retro, they are retro. Christopher and Taylor Malpas fell in love with traditional country music as young boys while listening to their granddad's phonograph records. By the age of seven and 10, they were winning talent competitions, playing traditional music that they loved. Well, today, they promote the music of classic country artists while creating their own style of traditional country music. Now, they're also two very funny and entertaining guys. Would you please welcome two of the greatest talents I've known, the Malpas Brothers. We're so happy to have you guys Thank you, here. Thank you. You know, I love that you have embraced traditional country music. I mean, I, I don't dislike modern country. I like a lot of genres of music, but I kind of want my country to be authentic and old school. So what drove you to, to that embrace and you've still stuck with it? Well, I always tell folks uh, our background's kind of interesting because my grand, grandfather on my dad's uh, side ran a, a little honky-tonk and, <laughs> and my mom's dad, my other grandfather was a preacher <laughs> and they both sang. So we had it coming from both angles and um, we just fell in love with the, with the purity of that music. I mean, it was just... Uh, there's such soul and such emotion in that music yeah. um, that it was instant love for us. And, and it's storytelling, isn't it? Oh, yes, sir, for sure. You can, you can, it's every, every song is almost like a movie if you really listen to it. Yeah. And one of the things I'm intrigued by, you guys traveled with and opened for Merle Haggard for seven years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. How cool is that? Well, you know, it was always a dream to just get meet Merle because, in my opinion, he was country music's greatest. And uh, then when we had the opportunity to open for him and work with him seven years, I mean, he was so good to us. And uh, if I watched every night after we'd, we'd open the show, I'd watch his show and just watch his magic, you know, because it just came so easy for him. Uh, he was a true uh, 
American legend, really, he was. Now, one of the things that I think uh, you're going to make a big announcement here on this show, because for all these years, you guys have maintained some uh, side careers. So, you know, you've done your music, but you've also kept uh, busy. So talk about what you've done, and then tell us what's, what's going to be new coming forward. Well, um, you know, did you want to say something to him? You want me to I just, <laughs> before we go, I, I just want to tell you what an honor it is to be on the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've always wanted to be on it. So. Uh, Johnny's dead, and I'm not quite that good. <laughs> I thought I had it confused. but Oh, I that's right. There you and go. I, we were back saying, Taylor goes, so he is Republican, right? <laughs> <laughs> I sure believe I am. I believe yeah. so, yes, sir. Uh, uh, so, you're asking about our jobs. Um, so, for, I probably, I worked in tobacco and uh, farming in general from the time I was about 14 up until right here recently. Can you understand what, we, what we're saying? Look, I grew up in South Arkansas. Okay, I good. get it totally. I understand everything. Well, there was a lady backstage and asked us where we were from, and I told her New Jersey. She didn't believe <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've all, we've, I love I, anything agriculture, and I've been, I, we did that. Like I can say, we've done that and juggled music, or I did that and juggled yeah. music. He actually was a trend. Yeah, I've, I've been a mechanic um, all my life, and even when we were working with Merle, um, you know, we would come home, maybe be home a month or so, or a couple of weeks, and I'd go right to the transmission shop and and uh, work, and then head right back out. I had a great boss. Um, back home in Goldsboro, and, and he just was, and I, it was important to us. You know, there's, there's, it's a lot of pride thing for me to, to work and, and support your family, and, and uh, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big deal to me to, to have that job. And so uh, for a long time, that's the way we did it. We, we did, you know, both, back and forth. Kind of like biblical tent makers, you know, that's, you had a side job going. Well, you know, one of the things I, I so respect, because a lot of people don't want to work at all. They don't oh. want to take one job, much less two. But there is something, I mean, your careers are beginning to take hold in a big way, which I'm so happy to see. So what is the announcement that you've got to tell us tonight? Well, we've, we've decided to um, just take, you know, uh, Merle told me one time, he said, anybody can swing a hammer, but only a chosen few get to do this. He said, and you've got to jump in with both feet eventually. And and that's what we did. We decided to let our our day jobs go and just focus on our music. And I'm still struggling with it. I feel a little guilty because we're traveling the country now and, and just seeing people not working it. It just it really it tugs at my heart. But I have to realize this is my job now. And um, so we're just putting all our effort into this. I'm excited that you're going full time. You the country needs this kind of great music. After y'all hear us, you might. After you hear us, you may want your tobacco picked or your transmission picked. You might think that's what I No, no, no. After they hear you guys, I guarantee you they're going to say, those guys, wherever the top is, that's where they're headed. And I'm telling you, Thank you. you're going to love their music. And you can find out more information about the Malpas Brothers, including links to their website and social media at the all-new Huckabee.tv, which gives you a link to everyone you see on the show. You're going to love it. Now, in a moment, the Malpas Brothers are going to be performing, so you better not go away. You'll love these guys.
after the show, go to Huckabee.tv for an online exclusive performance of The Fight Inside of Me by the Malpas Brothers. Now, performing with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, here are the Malpas Brothers. I bet my fans wouldn't know me In my flannels and faded blue jeans When I trade my black Tony Llamas For a pair of steel-toed Wolverines Well, I pick up my wrenches and ratchets And I lay down that Martin guitar Lord, it sure is a heck of a living Just being a part-time star I go from the glamour spotlight To busted knuckles and grease From a crowd of people who love me To a day job who couldn't care least But one day I'll rip up my time card See, I've got a hunch I'll go far But for now, it's grease guns and daydreams And being a part-time star Deserves much more than I earn But she knows I can't quit this singing And for the roar of the crowd How I yearn Hey, I just ain't yet Wrote a hit song Or been at the right place In time I can't wait to climb on my Prevost And leave this old life Behind Hey, tonight if y'all come to see us We'll be dressed in our best western gear We'll sing with all we've got in us And I hope you'll enjoy what you hear Hey, tonight may be just what we're needing It'd be the break that gives us the jar To take all these heartaches and troubles Of being a part-time star Just being a part-time Oh, uh...